The following message was preached at Gospel City Church, a church that seeks to cast a gospel net for the people of Kuala Lumpur. All right, everyone. Well, welcome to um, welcome to Gospel City Church. My name is Nick Gagne. It's an honor. It truly is to come to you and um, preach from God's word. Let me turn the camera on. That might, that might help a little bit. To preach from God's word, um, this is an exciting passage for me, um, and I hope it'll be an exciting passage for you. So I wanted to encourage you all to open up your Bibles to uh, 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 21, okay? I love this passage. Um, I absolutely love it. But before we dive any further, and to give you a chance to flip open your Bibles to that passage, um, let me set us up with this. Um, one of the premier movies, or I guess nostalgic movies that has come out over the past 30 years was the movie Moulin Rouge, okay? I'm not going to get into the themes of the movie or too many of the details, but there's this recurring line that continuously comes back to, um, to the forefront of the movie. And the phrase is this, the greatest thing you'll ever learn is to love and be loved in return. The greatest thing you'll ever learn is to love and be loved in return. Now, the Apostle John, the, the person that wrote 1 John, um, he wouldn't exactly be in line with all of the things that were going on in the movie, but he would love this line. Um, John was all about love. He loved love. Um, in the churches that he pastored, uh, specifically in Ephesus, we have these stories where uh, the church would invite him to preach and he would stand up and he would say, love one another, love one another, love one another. And then he would step off the platform and his disciples would walk up to him and they'd ask, um, John, we ask you to deliver a sermon. Um, why did you just give us these, these lines, love one another? And he would say, love is everything. Love is everything. And if love was so important to the Apostle John, then love needs to be important to us. So the natural question that comes out of this is how do we love one another? How do we continually regularly love one another. And that is what we're going to talk about today. We're going to divide our time into four parts. Um, the, first time, the first part is love's call. That is the call, the command to love. The second part is love's, um, love's example the greatest example of love. The third part is love withheld. 
And finally, love enabled or love empowered, love empowered. So how we can truly love one another. So with that being said, let me read the passage and we will um, pray and continue um, continue the sermon. So 1 John 4, verses 7 through 21. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. And anyone who does not love, anyone who does not know God, or anyone who does not love, does not know God, because God is love. In this, the word of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us, and he sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. By this, we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love and whoever abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. By this is love perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Because as he is, so also we are in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, for fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar, for he who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. Let's pray. Father God, you are, you are so wonderful, Lord. Um, thank you for these words from the Apostle John. Who, who loves love, who is crazy about love. And the reason he is crazy about love is because he has seen and he has testified and he knows, he knows that you love him and you love your people. Give us ears to hear. 
give us, give us minds to comprehend what you have to teach us today. Lord, um, bless this time. Let, let the words spoken be your words. Um, and let these words be glorifying to you and edifying to your people as we grow together in love. Love for you, the wonderful Savior, and love for each other, Lord. Lord, we commit these things into your hands. In your precious name, Lord Jesus, amen. So four points, love's call, love's example, love withheld, and love empowered. Let's take a look at the first one, love, love's call. John is all about love. And we see this word love throughout the entire book of first john but we see it especially common in this passage uh, verses 4 through 21 of chapter 4 and when john talks about love john is not necessarily referring to the warm feelings of emotion that somebody may have towards someone else the kind of love that john is talking about is a displayed love is an acted out kind of love that you act out towards someone else when you are genuinely seeking that person's welfare. <clears throat> it's the kind of love where you say to yourself that I am going to do good to this person, whatever the cost. This is what John means by love. Not just here, but elsewhere in 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, as well as the Gospel of John. And really, what John is getting at here is very similar to what Jesus was getting at in John chapter 13, verse 35, where Jesus says that the way that the world will know that you are mine is by loving one another in this way. And John gives us four reasons. In verses 7 through 21, why Christians are commanded to love one another. The first reason we love one another is because love is from God. We see this in verse 7, where God is the source of love. Love originates from God. Just as light radiates from the sun, love radiates from God, because it is in God's nature to love. We see this even in the makeup of the Godhead itself, where God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, the three persons of the one Godhead, each person fully and perfectly God since before time began, they exist in perfect unity and in perfect love with one another. They delight in one another. And we see this in the Trinity itself. See, loving is part of God's very nature. 
And God expects his people to imitate that love within the community of faith. Just as the Godhead loves one another in the community of the Trinity. So the first reason we love is because love is from God. The second reason Christians are called to love one another is also found in verse 7. Loving one another reflects our spiritual heritage. So two weeks ago, um, in a sermon on 1 John 3, we said that righteousness was a family trait of everyone in God's family. How if parents have brown eyes, then their kids will have brown eyes. And, and if God is righteous, which he is, then his children are righteous. Well, John here, he's saying that love is another family trait of all those in God's family. That when a person becomes a Christian, that person is spiritually born again from God. And because that person is spiritually born again from God, that person can now love others just as God loves others. Now, what John is not saying here is that everyone who loves another person is automatically a Christian. He is not saying that. Instead, what John is saying here is that love is in the DNA of every Christian. It is genetic. Thirdly, verse 8 and 16 afterwards tell us that uh, we love because it demonstrates that we know him because God is love. Love is an essential characteristic of God's character. And Christians who love one another demonstrate that they know God intimately because God is love. And the more we act in love to one another, the more we relate in a very small way to the kind of love that God has shown us. And in turn, the more we grow to love him. Because we recognize the kind of love that God has given us. Because we recognize that, the more we grow to love him. Because we understand more the lengths and the breadths that Jesus went through in order to save us. And we'll talk more about this later. Fourthly, kind of picking up on all the points above, loving one another is a missional activity. Loving one another is a missional activity. Skip down with me to verse 12, where, it's, where John says, no one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. And what John means by this is that nobody has seen God face to face. And we know this from the book of Exodus, where Moses, for various reasons, he's pleading with God, God, show me your glory, show me your face. And God says, no, because if any man sees my face, they will die. We cannot see God face to face, at least now. But when we, 
as brothers and sisters in Christ, love one another. Our mutual love is a visible picture of the love of God to the world. <clears throat> now, you can sit down with someone for an entire day. You can talk about theology all day until you're blue in the face. And that person may not know anything about anything more about God afterwards. <clears throat> but when another person sees God's love lived out in your life, then that person really begins to see God and the things that God is all about, the things that God cares about, the things that God prioritizes. As, as crazy as it is, you are able to teach others about God through loving them. Loving one another is a missional activity. As Christians, the command is to love one another. It is a family trait. And if we do not love others, it is a demonstration of the fact that we do not know God. Because God is love. This is love's call. So we've seen what the call is to love one another. And now John illustrates what loving one another really looks like by describing to us how God loved us. And there are really three aspects to God's love here. And if we really think about it, these three aspects are needed for us to really love one another as well. First, we see that God's love is costly. God sends Jesus, his only son, so that we may live through him. See, God sent Jesus, his only son. The word only here can also mean unique, means special. So basically what it means is that God sent Jesus, his special, unique son, Christians are adopted into God's family and counted as sons, but Jesus is uniquely God's son. Jesus is the second person of the Trinity from eternity past, and God sent him, him, not an angel, not a prophet, or anyone else in order to save us. God's motivation for sending Jesus was our need. It was not his benefit. And what he did, he did for us. And it cost the father the life of his only unique special son. But this love was not just costly for the father. It was costly for the son. Because if we listen in on the conversation that Jesus has with the Father in the Garden of Gethsemane in Luke chapter 22, verse 42, Jesus asks, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. 
And if there was any other way to save humanity, God would have taken it. And Jesus would not have gone to the cross. But you see, there was no other way. Jesus displayed self-sacrificial love for the Father in that he obeyed the Father even to his death. And you see, Jesus displayed this costly love for humanity by dying so that we could have life. God the Father and God the Son paid the cost for our salvation because it was the only way that people could have life. So we saw that God's love is costly. We also see that God's love is timely. Look with me at verse 10. This is love, John says. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. We did not reach out to love God. We did not reach out to him with goodwill or favor. We did not ask him to be our friend. Jesus, or God saw us in our need. He saw that we needed life. We needed salvation. And therefore, he sent Jesus. God took the initiative to love us. And Paul describes this in Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 8, when he says, For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God chose his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And what, what Paul means by this is that we were not reaching out towards God in any way. We were not doing anything to make amends to God. God is the initiator of our salvation. So God's love is costly. God's love is timely. Lastly, God's love is specific. In verse 10, Paul, or uh, John, excuse me, John has this to say. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us. And he sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. God sent Jesus in order to deal with our sins. The word propitiation means to appease someone's wrath with an offering. And Massimo walked us through, what, what, through the details of what propitiation means way back in chapter one. But basically what he said was that propitiation means that Jesus became a sin offering on behalf of humanity. That his blood was shed to absorb God's anger. And it was not that Jesus saved us from the big, bad, scary God. God, the Father, sent Jesus in order so that Jesus could make propitiation. God met our specific needs for forgiveness from sins and life through the death and resurrection of Jesus. 
And just as God's love was costly, timely, and specific, so John calls on our love to be costly, timely, and specific. Now, this does not always lead you to really sacrifice your life in the way that Jesus sacrificed his life, though it may cost us our life. It could mean that we sacrifice our Netflix and chill time to WhatsApp a lonely or struggling Christian friend, and we check in on them. It could be to uh, check on your accountability tea time partner to see how they are, they are doing in their battle against sin, even though you would rather just relax and unwind after work. Now, these are just two ways that you can love others. But, and there are many, many, many more. God's example to his people is to love costly, love timely, and love specifically, just as he loved costly, timely, and specifically towards us. This is love. This is love's example. So we have love's call. We have love's example. And now we have love withheld. And all this talk of love, it might sound really, really good up to this point. I mean, loving one another, that sounds awesome. I'd love it if, if um, people were to love me like they loved themselves. It would be awesome. In the words of a song that came out a couple uh, decades ago, um, love, is, love is all you need. That sounds wonderful. But if I'm honest with myself, if I'm really, really honest with myself, I suck at loving like this. I don't love others like God loves me too often. All too frequently, I do not imitate God's love at all. Instead, I choose to live my life comfortably, looking out for myself and the things that I truly want. A perfect example of this is in my relationship with Lillian. I mean, sometimes when Lillian just wants to talk about life and open up about what's going on in her heart, I really only listen half-heartedly because I'm preoccupied thinking about something else that I would rather be doing. And when I do that, I'm loving myself and my desires, and I am not loving really. And if we're dreadfully honest with ourselves, I think it's safe to say that all of us, in one way or another, we do this. If we do not do this with our spouse, then we do it with the rest of our family members or our friends or our colleagues. We generally do not love others in the same way that God loved us. And the reason why we do not love others is because we are afraid 
that if we love people in a costly, timely, specific way, then we will lose out on something that we value. Whether it be losing out on Netflix movie night or extra sleep, maybe a moment of peace and quiet after work, or it could be anything else that we value. And because we lose out, our life gets a little less comfortable. Another way that we could say this is we are afraid of losing a little bit of our life when we turn around and love others. And you know what? Love is costly. Um, it does cost, it does lead us to sacrifice sometimes. It can lead us to miss out on Netflix movie night. And as a result, we don't love. And in order to make us feel better about why we don't love, love one another, we come up with reasons or excuses as to why we don't. Maybe we tell ourselves that we will love that person twice as much tomorrow in order to make up for today. Maybe we feed ourselves the excuse that we deserve a little bit of R&R after working so hard, and it would just be detrimental to our health to do anything else but that. And while this may be true in some cases, and yes, um, it's good to rest in the Lord and uh, experience the, um, the good blessings that he has given you, most of the time, these are excuses that we make in order to get out of actively loving others. Or maybe the opposite is true. Maybe we go out of our way to perpetually serve others. But we don't really do it for their good but because we are afraid that if we don't, we're going to feel guilty and we will be punished because we are not loving others. We are afraid that we will lose our life by not serving. And what we're doing here is we're making sure that we are taking care of our needs not the needs of the other person. And you see, both these mentalities keep us from deep and rich relationships with others. They keep us from having confidence in our faith in God because we are afraid that we will lose our lives. We do not love others because we are afraid to lose out on life or we serve people out of fear because we're afraid that if we don't um, love them, then we will lose our lives. Now, what I'm not saying is that it is impossible to love someone, to love someone, to truly love someone. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying, however, is that we cannot love consistently. Because in the end, our fear of losing will get in the way. And this is love withheld. So we have love's call 
We have love as an example. We have love withheld. And now let's look at love empowered. So what do we do? God's call is for his people to genuinely love one another in costly, timely, and specific ways. But so often we cannot do it. And when we do serve others, it is often just a way to look after our own needs. But you see, there's another option. And this other option is the way of true love. And the only way, the only way that we can truly love one another, the way that God calls us to love one another, is by first being overwhelmed with the love of Christ towards us. And we see this in verses 13 through 18. I'll read verses 13 through 16 for us um, in order to give, it, give us a better idea of what John is saying. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So that we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love and whoever abides in love abides in God. And God abides in him. And what John means is Everyone who confesses that Jesus is the Messiah, that he is the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, who laid aside his perceived glory and the riches of heaven in order to take on human flesh, in order to be beaten bloody nearly to death, in order to be nailed to the cross and left there to die between two mocking bandits for the sake of me and you. If we trust and we rely on this gospel truth, we are currently abiding in Christ. A word that means we have a saving relationship with Jesus and we are secure in his hands. And it's not just that. Because if we believe in this true message, then we also believe in God's love for us, that it is real and that it is fantastic. And knowing this love that God has for us leads us to confidence that our lives are secure on the day of judgment. And instead, and instead of losing our life on that day, we will be rewarded with eternal life. We will be rewarded with the, the riches of the new creation. My life, our lives, are secure in Christ who loved us and gave his life for us. And that is what John means when he says perfect love 
casts out fear. So what does this have to do with us loving one another? Well, it has everything to do with, with it. Um, kind of like those cheesy movies that we've all watched where the girl tells the guy that she loves him and the guy, the guy, his eyes pop wide open and he's overcome with happiness. He's about to explode because he has so much happiness in his body right now. And his whole world changes because he knows the truth. And he dwells on the truth. And in the same way, when we dwell on the truth of God's great love for us, and we truly believe it, it causes us to be transformed into people who can truly love others. And the more we dwell on that truth, and the more that we let it transform us, the more we will grow in our love for others. So where do we go from here? Well, if you're listening to this and you are not a Christian, then we want you to know that God loves you. He sent Jesus to die for you. And if you trust in him as your Lord and Savior, you can have true eternal life. And from that love that God has shown you through the person and work of Jesus, your love for him will abound and your love for others will grow. If you are here and you are a Christian, then know that Jesus loved you and he gave his life for you. I want to encourage you all to let that love soak into your mind and heart, to treasure that love and to let it transform you from the inside out so that you can learn to love as Jesus loved. And there are ways that we can be reminded of God's love for us. We can do this through scripture reading and memorization. Um, passages such as Romans chapter 8, verses 32 through 36. Um, for there is no height, nor depth, nor width, nor length, nor angel, nor demons, or anything above the earth or under the earth that can separate us from God's love. Or Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. For God loved me and gave his life for me. We can also remind ourselves of the gospel on a regular basis, praying along the way, God, help me to grow in my understanding of your love for me so that I can grow in my love for you and in my love for others. We, we can be reminded of God's great love through fellow Christians who, who um, join with us and partner with us to encourage and support one another to uh, resist sin. We can be reminded of God's love by the community of believers around us. Sometimes 
Sometimes we need more than this though, because sometimes it is harder to love some people than it is others. And in those moments, when it is hard to love people, that is when we need to remind ourselves of the gospel anew, remembering that Jesus died for me. And if Jesus could do that for me, I can love others. Because to the extent that I trust in the great, amazing, wonderful, fantastic love of God, that is the extent that I can love others. Let's pray. Father God, you are so wonderful. Thank you for this time. Thank you for this glorious message, Lord. Father God, we are reminded of your great love for us. And I want to pray that you will just spark in us a renewed desire to fall in love with you again. To cling on to the good truth that you sent Jesus to die for us because you love us so. And Lord, let that, let that love transform us and stretch us and grow us and enable us to truly love one another. Remembering that you perfectly loved us and you gave up you, 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 it, it, it was costly to you. Help us to remember that and help us to help us to love our brothers and sisters in Christ in a similar fashion because you have transformed us, Lord. Father God, you are wonderful and your steadfast love endures forever. In your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message. We invite you to learn more about Gospel City Church at gospelcitychurch.my.